Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Family matters, and there's a lot of matters that pertain to your family, isn't there? There's a lot of issues. Being married is um, interesting. It's taking... It's taking two completely separate people and merging them together into one. You have your life. Jen has her life over here. And when we put them together, we're trying to take these two lives and make them into one person. And it's, it makes things interesting, doesn't it? I don't know what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> oh, Jen's giving a shout out. See, so I moved here in January. I think most of you know this. I moved here in January. Jen and the kids stayed back in Calgary for three months. And, and you're, you're one of the kids? Okay. You're looking at me like, who? Jen and who? I am a, I'm a grown man. Josiah turns 16 this coming week, and he's ready to get on the road and be driving and be a grown-up, right? We're going to get him a scooter. An electric moped. You can like pedal it and the motor starts. I bet you could get that with your learners. You could be free to go wherever you wanted. Just go. So anyways, we're talking about family matters is what we're talking about. Because there are many issues, there are many matters about your family that we want to talk about. There is, in, in today's day and age, listen, I was just Googling some stuff beforehand. And they were saying that 38% of, of marriages that were uh, uh, joined in 2014 will be done by the, by the year 2035. Um, kids grew up today where it's just, it's common to have mom and dad fighting all the time, mom and dad separating, living with one parent, having to choose. And uh, people grow up and they, they get married and they grow in their marriage and they've been married for 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and they're looking down the line. They say, you know what? I don't really like the person I'm married to. But I'm here to tell you today, there's a better way to have life, isn't there? There's a better way to have our family. You don't have to be married 40 years and say, I don't like my husband. I don't like my wife. You can be married 40 years and say, I really like this person. I'm glad I married them. Yes, there's been hard times. There's been ups and downs. But I'm glad that I married them. I'm glad I spent my life. I like my kids. Yeah, Sometimes there's been good days and bad days. We've had good times and bad times, but I like my kids. There's all kinds of issues that pertain to your family, and we want to talk about them. That's what we're going to talk. Next week is Mother's Day, and we thought, listen, Mother's Day is a big family day, and it's a good time to start talking about family and all those issues and all those matters. So today, we're talking about Family Matters is the name of our series, and today our message is called Family Matters. You're like, but Jake, that's the name of the series. Yes, but today, it's Family Matters, as in your family matters. It's what we're talking about today. So many of us take our family for granted. So many of us just think our marriage, we take it for granted. We take our kids for granted. We take our parents for granted. We take our in-laws for granted. But I want to say to you today that your family does matter. And it doesn't just matter to me and you. It matters to God. 
So we're going to look at what family actually is, and we're going to look about how God actually cares about you and your family. But before we actually look at the Word, I want to tell you one exciting thing about this series. Now, there's lots of questions that you could be sitting there over the next little while that we're talking about, and you're like, ah, okay, I have a question, but you're not answering the question that I have about my spouse or about my kids or about my in-laws who are driving me crazy or about any of these kind of things. You're like, I need to talk to somebody about these questions. So, so what we've done... This is very high-tech. Now, Blake, I know you don't like our debit machine, and I know you don't like our Tidely app. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay not to like it. It's okay. If Blake doesn't like it, it's okay. But here's what we're going to do. If you have a question, say, this week or next week or the following week or the week after that about something to do with family, here's what you can actually do. You can whip out a phone. Who has a phone here? I have a phone. You can whip out your phone, and who has text on your phone? Put your hand in the air. Let me see. I just want everybody else in the room to see who has text. Okay. Basically, everybody alive in 2018 has text. Thank, thank you very much. We're just being, Derek's like, I think I have text. Yeah, he's like, yep, all oh, this thing does text. Amazing. And if you have a flip phone, listen, if you have a flip phone, even your old flip phone can text. It takes you a lot longer, but you still can text. Now, listen, if you go to text, you can do this. You can text. The phone number, look at, I'm going to show you right now, 393939. And I can text that number, and if I text the word connect to that number, I just text it, and then I get a text back that says, thanks for joining the convo. Text us your question now, and we'll respond. So if you, when we're preaching over this next little while, if you have a question about your kids or your family, your spouse, your dogs, paying your taxes, I don't know, about anything, anything to do with family, if you have any kind of question, you can whip out your phone and you can text us. And here's the great thing about this. It's completely anonymous. And when I say it's completely anonymous, we have no idea who's sending the text. So we can't be like, oh, well, that was my son who sent that text in, and he's going to be getting a conversation when I get home. No, we actually have no idea. They go to like a server with just a phone number, and then we look and we see the questions, but we don't see the names. We don't see the phone numbers. We can't match the two up together. So all we see is these questions that you have. So if you have questions that you want to talk about, send us your questions. We will talk about them on the last Sunday of this series. We'll get together. We'll pull all these questions together. We'll pick the best questions that you have. What if your question's like, I think my parents are crazy. What do I do? Oh, great question. Glad you asked. Because at some point, we all felt like our parents were crazy, didn't we? Oh, no, just me? Am I the only person who felt that way? Am I? I don't feel that way. I never felt that way. Don't tell my parents I felt that way. <laughs> okay. Open your Bibles with me to Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. And we are going to talk about what family is and what that looks like today. Now, a lot of us have a preconceived idea what family is, don't we? Um, and can we put up the definition? I think we have the slide, the definition of family up here. All right, Merriam-Webster says this. This is the definition of family. The basic unit in society traditionally consisting of two parents raising their kids. Now, we all understand that, right? Like, we all say, okay, that's what a family is. But the second definition is a group of people united by certain convictions or a common affiliation. So let me say this to you. So that means that me and you are family. 
Me and Charmaine are family. Me and Tony are family. Me and Denise, we're family. Me and Blake, we're family. Because we have a common belief, a common affiliation. So listen, you can not be married. You cannot have kids. You can be a single person all by yourself. And I've had a lot of conversations like this. And you can still be part of a family. There's a lot of people who are, who are all by themselves, and they say, I feel so bad. I feel like I have no family. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you have family. We are your family. We have a common goal, a common belief. We believe that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we could have life all together. So guess what? Me and Jen are family because we're married. But we're also family even if we weren't married. We just came to the same church. We both believe the same thing. We would still be family. Stuck with you forever. Best friends. And you're stuck with me too. You're never getting away from me. And you, no, you can't go. There's no school far enough away for you to get away from me. I will always be your father. Always and forever. So Genesis chapter 2, now let's look at this. What I want to talk to you about today, remember, is that your family matters. It matters to God. God thinks about you, he thinks about your family, and he thinks about being in family with you. Yes, you are part of God's family. So even if you're all by yourself, you still have a family in God and in other believers. You are part of this family. So Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 18, it says this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper who's just right for him. Now look at those three words in green. We're going to talk about those three words for a minute. It's not good for man to be alone. Say, it's not good for man to be alone. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not good for you to be alone because you get weird. I mean, you're, you're not weird right now, but if you're alone, you could be weird. So stay, stay connected with people. Now he says, it's not good. Now let's, sometimes when you're reading the word of God, like Hank was talking about meekness this morning, right? And sometimes you need to bust down a verse. You need to take a step back and say, okay, what does this word really mean? Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek, and sometimes it doesn't translate to perfect English that we use today. So sometimes you need to go back and say, okay, what do these words actually mean? Because the word meekness, and this was really good when you were talking, meekness is actually power under perfect control. Man, and I love that definition. Because Hank was talking about sheathing your sword, and that takes power under perfect control. You could be slapping me upside the head, but I am so meek, not weak, I got my power under perfect control that you can keep slapping me, and I'll put my sword away because I know it's the right thing to do at that moment. So sometimes you got to take a scripture and take a step back and be like, okay, what does this word actually mean? So the first part where it says it's not good so let's look at the word good for a second here. So the next slide shows us what the word good is. Okay, so it's Toby, Tobe, or something in Hebrew. It's uh, H289, 2895, is if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, that's how you find them. And it says this. This is what it says. That word good means this, beautiful, best, better, bountiful, 
cheerful, at ease, fair, favor, fine, glad, good, graciously, joyful, kindly, kindness, liketh. I don't even know what that word means, but I think it means good. Loving, merry, most, pleasant, pleasure, precious, prosperity, ready, sweet, wealth, welfare, and well. So he says, it is not any of these things to be alone. That's a lot of descriptive words. See, the English translation just says, it's not good. But when you break it down, that's a lot of stuff. He says, it's none of these things. It's not beautiful. It's not the best. It's not better for you to be alone. It's not more bountiful for you to be alone. It's definitely not cheerful to be alone. How many truly people who are alone do you know that are really cheerful? <laughs> at ease, fair. Look, at, he says, it's not these things. Now, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And all the women are like, see, my husband is weird because he spends so much time by himself. And I told you the Bible says it's not good. Tony, it's not good for you. It says it's not good for a man to be alone, but it's okay for a woman to be alone because it only says it's not good for a man. No. <laughs> it's not what it says. That next word, man, is this. It's Adam. And it actually means ruddy or a human being. So when it's talking about it's not good for man to be alone, it's talking about for anybody alive on this planet to be alone. Any individual or the species mankind is just a quick quiz here. Are you part of the humankind species? Raise your hand so everybody can see. Just making sure there's no weirdos here. Chad's hand was not raised. I want that to be noted on the recording. <laughs> just so everybody knows, Chad does not identify with humankind. <laughs> Human beings. So, ladies, you can't say to your husband, I can be alone, but you can't because the Bible says it's not good for man to be. It's for everybody. It's not good for humankind to be alone. Now, look at this. I love, I love actually the real word of this. So, go to the next one. Bad. <laughs> So the word alone actually is bad in Hebrew. How much more definition do you need than that? It's not good for man to be alone. It's bad. It's bad. Properly separation, apart, only, besides, alone, by self. It's bad. We are not meant to be alone. We are not meant to spend life by ourselves. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us, let us, let us make man in our image. So what do we sing from that scripture? We're singing that God lives and dwells in community. God lives in family. The Bible talks about how God is three in one. He is the Father, He is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit. And they are all the same. They are all one. But He lives and dwells together in family and unity, in community. And so when he created man, the first thing he says, it's not good for people to be alone. It's bad. It's not my idea. It's not my perfect plan. I want people to be in family and in relationship because that's how God lives his life. That's how God is. God is in family. God is in relationship. And so he says, if this is who I am, because he said, let us make man in our image, right? So we're made in the image of God, aren't we? So then that means if we're made in his image, then he wants us to be like him. So if he lives in unity and family and community, he wants us to dwell in that place. That's why it's not good for us to be alone, because it's not like him. 
right? All right, so we see that God introduced his family at the very beginning of the scripture. Now, I want to show you this. I want to look in 126, we just talked about where God made man. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we see that God says, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper who is just right for him. Now, I want to to talk about these next few verses here for a second. Says in verse 19, he says, So God says, "It's, it's, It's not my plan, it's not my desire for people to be alone. He's like, so I'm going to make a helper that is just right for him. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that God loves and cares about each and every one of us so much. And family is so important to God. Proper family, right family. Now when I say family today, I don't want you to hear me saying mom and dad and kids. Because that is not the exact replication of what God designed. Family is connection and unity. So we can have family outside of this family. Because this is family as well. And this is family. Right? And here's what I'm trying to show you today. That that family matters to God so much that our society has designed and defined family as only a, a family unit. Well, that's blood is thicker than water. We've heard that said, haven't we? And we hear people say that's, that's for family only, family only. Family over here, family event over here, family event over here. You can't come because you're not family. But what I'm trying to say today is that family matters so much to God that you have family outside of these restraints. There's family everywhere around. There's family with him. There's family with one another. That's what God desires. He wants us always to be living in community, always be living in family. Okay, so... In verse 19, it says this, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to man. Now, can I just pause here for a second? I have never really thought about this. Let me say that again to you. He said, God formed, brought all the animals, formed all the animals from the ground and the birds of the sky, and what did he do? He brought them to Adam. Have you ever thought about how many different kinds of animals and birds there are? So in our preconceived ideas, when, when I literally, for my entire life, when I've read this scripture, I have just kind of glossed over this phrase and thought, okay, well, so that probably took a few hours, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it took half a day to do this. I did a quick Google search. Does anybody know how many uh, <laughs> Scott does? Google told me today that there was 8.7 million species of animals that didn't even include birds oh yeah they find new they find new animals all the time so what i want to say to you from this is that god cares about you being in family and god cares about you finding family so much and having connection so much that he spent i don't know how long this took i don't know how long this took 8.7 million species we know we've lost some species. Like, obviously, the dodo bird isn't in that 8.7 million, right? And obviously, the unicorns aren't in that 8.7 million. (laughs) I'm not here to get into, like, old earth, new earth debate with you and figure all that stuff out because I don't know. But what I do know is that the Bible says that God made the animals, brought them to Adam to try and find a mate, a helper that was suitable for him. And there is a lot a lot of animals. And that would have taken a lot of time to bring him to Adam. Okay, I just made this guy. What do you think of this thing? He's got like 
sharp teeth and he's got like stripes on him and, and, he, and he like, he growls really crazy. Could this be your helper? No, too furry. Okay, what are you gonna call it? It's a tiger. Okay, I made a horse, but it's not like a normal horse. This horse has stripes on it. Yeah, I don't know if this is a black horse with white stripes or a white horse with black stripes. What do you want to call it? Do you want it to be your helper? No. Too many teeth. Weird, weird mouth stuff, God. Weird. I don't want that to be my helper. But I'll call it a zebra. My point is, is that God cares and is so invested in the idea of family and so invested in community and so invested in you finding those things in your life that he took all this time with Adam to bring these things to him and try and help him find something that fit, didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. Verse 20 says, He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper that was just right for him. So the Bible says in verse 21 that God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while the man slept, the, God, the, God, the, God, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. And he said in verse 23, at last, at last. When you look at your wives, men, do you say at last? Or do you say, oh dear? I say, oh my. Yeah, so when Jen walks in the room, she always says this. I am here. And I say, yes, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me my wife. So we see that God took the time, and he invested in finding a mate, finding family, finding that community for Adam, until he finally found something that was suitable for him. Right? Then we go on, and what do we know? Here's the next thing I want to say to you. God is not afraid of the messiness in your family. God is not afraid of the messiness of your life. Do you think your problems scare God? Do you think your crazy family dynamics uh, make God say, oh, you know, mm, I I don't want to be involved in this part of your situation. Like, I love you, but I'm going to wait over here and let you try and figure out your Aunt Jane and her issues, whatever that is, and you just go, you go take care of her. I'll be over here waiting. No. God will get right up in the mix with you. And God will try and walk through your entire situation with you as long as you will allow him to speak to you and as long as you will allow him to guide you and give you wisdom. Genesis chapter 3 is, is the, the fall of man, isn't it? And we see in that chapter how uh, Eve goes out to the, to the garden one day and the serpent comes up, the devil comes up, and he's in the form of a snake. And he comes up and he says, hey, you know, did God really say this to you? And she says, well, he said this and this and this. And he's like, well, God, you know, he just didn't want you to know the real truth that if you eat, if you eat this fruit, then you'll be like him. And so the Bible says that Eve ate the fruit and then gave it to her husband, and he ate the fruit too, and suddenly they realized they had no clothes on. This was a real problem for them, and they went and hid in the bushes. And then the Bible says that God came down into the garden. Now here's another verse. God was down in the garden walking around in the cool of the day, the Bible says. These are nice trees I made. I like these trees. They 
they look blackish with red on them and some gold here. I like these trees. And, oh, I love this river. I love this bush. This is my favorite bush that I made over here. The Bible says that God was just walking in the garden in the cool of day. This is more context of God spending fellowship and time with people, creating a family with them. Because the Bible says that they heard him walking and they went and hid themselves, which re- makes us realize that they were used to the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, that they were used to God's uh, relationship with them, that they were used to him being around that they had family with him family is not designed to exist apart from god god is and wants to be part of your family now whether that's with your family or just with me and him he still wants that family connection and that family relationship i love how you can see in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, or chapter 2, where the relationship with God and Adam exists before there's a physical family, isn't there? Eve shows up after the fact. After they spend all this time trying to find someone, the Bible says that God made Adam from the dirt, and he made him and turned him into a man and breathed the breath of life in him, and they spent time together. The Bible talks about breathing the breath of life is the very same spirit that was inside God was breathed into man. Your family matters to God. You are part of his family. Aside from your marriages, aside from your parents, who your parents are, aside from your kids, aside from your grandparents, aside from your nieces and your nephews, from any kind of bloodline you could have, you still have family with God. And he still wants to be involved in all of your issues. He still wants to walk with you on a daily basis and be part of those things and help you walk through them. So in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden and they realized they had sinned and they were hiding from God, the Bible says they were hiding and God says, hey, where are you guys? Where are you guys? And they said, well, we heard you walking in the garden, so we hid because we were afraid because we were naked. We weren't wearing any clothes. I, it always amazes me why that was the issue for them. But that was the issue. They had no clothes on. They're like, oh, suddenly, oh, I got, I got no clothes on. I got to go hide. So they're hiding. And God says, well, who told you? Who told you you were naked? What happened? And God begins to work with them in this situation, doesn't he? He doesn't just say, oh, we're done. You're not part of my family anymore. We're done. You, you have to leave. You have to get out of here. You're grounded. Get out. Gone. See you later. No. God works through the situation with them. He's like, well, okay, so you disobeyed. You did what you weren't supposed to do, and now because of that, we've got to, this is what's going to happen. And he works through it with them. He doesn't just abandon them. He doesn't just leave them. And then what's great is you continue on, and in Genesis chapter uh, 4 is talking about Cain and Abel. And in verse number 4, it says Abel was a farmer, and he also brought the gift, the best of the, or Abel was, the herder, and he brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock, and the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he didn't accept Cain and his gift. Now, this made Cain really mad, and he looked dejected. And in verse 6, we says, why are you so angry? God says, why are you so angry? The Lord asks Cain, what is this? We see that God is still continuing his relationship. Now, there was Adam and Eve, and now it has continued on with his sons, Cain and Abel. God is continuing his family. God is continuing his relationship, and that's what he desires to do with us. Your family matters to God. The issues that you deal with in your family, that you think these are my family issues, 
guess what? Because he's part of your family, they're his family issues too. And he wants to work through them. And he wants to help you sort them out. And he wants to bring life. And he wants to bring healing. And he wants to bring wholeness into those family situations. And make that family look the way that he desired it to look in the very beginning. Listen, a lot of the things that you see in the Bible, you can say, okay, what is family, what is family really supposed to look like? Well, you want to know what family is supposed to look like? Go look in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. What is marriage supposed to look like? Go look in Genesis 1, 2, 3 and take a look at what this actually looks like because this is how God designed these things. This is how he put it all together. It's like, okay, this is what I want it to be. This is how I want it to look. This is what I want it to do. The command to Adam and Eve was what? Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. This is why your family matters. Because your family matters to God because he desires to see righteous generations raised up. He desires to see marriages that are healthy and whole and strong that, that defy the divorce rates in Canada. He desires to see kids that don't have to spend all their time going to therapy because their parents messed them up or because their parents said horrible things to them or because their parents beat them or raped them or abused them, whatever. He desires to see healthy, happy, normal families taking place because this is what he designed. He didn't design the way that family is today. So over this next little while, we're talking about family matters, the issues that are realest, the most real to you. Family's not easy. A melding of people together is never an easy thing to do. Everybody's got their own ideas, their own beliefs, their own opinions, their own feelings, their own emotions. And you can't just be like, you're going to have to do this because I said so. Sometimes that doesn't work. When kids are little, you can be like, go do this. Why? Because I said so. And that works because they're like, three. When they get to about... I don't know, man. Harley, how old are you? Randall, Randall sorry. 30. Randall doesn't take uh, because I said so very well anymore, do you? <laughs> Randall's a grown man. Uh, what do you mean because I said so? I can make my own decisions. Josiah, when I talk to Josiah now, who turned 16 this week, he's 16. Why? Well, because I said so doesn't necessarily work as well as it used to. So now I have to begin to, Josiah, to explain to Josiah the why behind him telling him to do something. So he understands for himself. So when he goes down the road for the future, he knows how to avoid these things, how to work through this himself, and how to become a man on his own terms. This is what we're going to be talking about. Today we're laying the groundwork for what family is. You can have family outside of a family. There's people that are single, there's people that are looking for family. There's people that are desiring to be family. There's people that have had family and have lost family and you're alone again. There's all kinds of family dyna dynamics that we have to talk about and work through. But the point is, is, is even in all those circumstances, you always have this family with him and you always have this family with us. You don't have to believe the construct created by society that says family is only this. This is a nuclear family, and this is what it looks like, a man and a woman and two kids. There is family outside of that, and we have to talk about what that looks like, and we have to talk about how to make it all work and how to make it work the way that God desires it to work. Amen? Stand up with me.
Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only He can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.